Welcome to Ideas on Trial. I'm your host, Leopold Ajami, and I have with me my co-host, Ricardo Pinto. Today, we are starting a new mini-series labeled In Focus. We are still challenging undisputed ideas, but in the In Focus series, we are focusing more on tools and framework that we use in our course at Novel Philosophy Academy. So basically, a couple of months ago, we launched a new course to help you boost your creativity using your daily conversations, and we call it Supersonic Creativity. Now, up to my knowledge, you can't find anything like it anywhere. We noticed that the art of conversations is not explored as an arena for creative thinking. Yet, it's unbelievable how much you can learn about thinking creatively simply by developing your conversation skills. We will put a link to the course in the episode description, or you can find it at our academy website, novelphilosophy.academy. Now stick around till the end. We have a surprise for you by the end of the episode. So today's topic is about conversations. And what we want to explore is a new perspective about the value of conversation. I think we have a very unusual, undisputed idea that we'd like to explore. Hello, Ricardo. Hello, Leopold. How are you? I'm good and very excited about these mini-series. Let's share what's the undisputed view that we have. Yes. I like to think about it as a conventional expectation about conversation. And that expectation is not much in some cases. And the idea is that great life-changing conversations are rather exceptional events, are rare to be found. And you might think that this is a stretch because you, in your life, you can find some conversations that were truly life-changing. Like that time when you met someone you admire, someone you want to get professional advice from, or that conversation with a friend or with a date in a bar, Perhaps you were able to gather some valuable thoughts there. But it's always that one time. It's always that one event. And it's not something you can expect to get from your daily life. So that's the view we tend to have about conversations. That if you really want to take a lot of insights from it, if you want to use it for your work or for your thinking then you might have to do a little work to get that out. Yeah. Do you agree with that assessment? I do. And I think that's why we created this course a couple of months ago, again, which we call it supersonic creativity. And it's because we discovered that conversations can be an arena for creative thinking. And usually you don't think about it this way. When you think about conversation, you think about, merely an exchange of ideas or discussing some trivial things, but you don't think about it as a playground for becoming more creative and for sharpening your your thinking skills. And I think that's that's a real value that we want to explore today. So speaking of the arena, Ricardo, how can we how can we give a name to this arena? How do you see the value of conversation that we miss sometimes or what kind of a new perspective can we give to our listeners about conversation? I think that perspective is captured by a concept we already know, 
and an approach we already take to conversations, though still is exceptional, which is mentorship. And if you think about it, mentorship is one of those rare events in which we truly use conversation as an arena for intellectual growth. When you engage in a mentorship, you arrange a meeting with someone else with more professional experience, with uh, more knowledge about the field you want to work in. But still, it's not a, any regular conversation that you have with that person. For one thing, you don't expect to tell him what you have to do exactly in order to yeah. have a fulfilling career. In fact, it's the opposite, I think. If you want to gain something valuable from a conversation with a professional mentor, then you want to see rather his way of thinking, his way of approaching his career, but not get a straight answer because you have to get that answer for yourself. So yeah. that's why I think it's worth uh, thinking about it as mentorship. I like that because also it frames the value of time. So you're already investing time in a conversation, right? So the question is, how can I make most of that time? And when you start looking at it from that perspective and with the analogy of uh, mentorship, I think your whole perspective changes in regard to conversations. And I want to just highlight that a lot of these ideas that we're going to be exploring now, we learn them by observing our, our students and life learners in the course Supersonic Creativity, because we were engaging with, with them and we were discovering that they are actually achieving some kind of transformation, whether it's a cognitive transformation where they're challenging their ideas or a psychological transformation where they're re-evaluating the way they are responding to, to ideas. So there's so many different kinds of transformation that you go through already when you have a mentor, because as you were saying, a mentor gives you a valuable method to think about. Now, having said that, I think we segmented this episode into three most important or three valuable ideas about the relationship between mentorship and conversation. And we would put that as method, action, and reflection. Let us start with the first one, which is method. And I think this is the one you were talking about, which is what's the value of, of having a mentor? And I think the first thing we can say is a mentor gives you a method of thinking. So a mentor doesn't really focus much on what you should do, but how can you discover what you should do, right? Like doesn't give you uh, the answer to something, but gives you a method to reach the answer yourself. Yes. So the question is, how can you use that in a conversation? It's the same principle, I think. In your daily conversations, you should not attempt to find what you should think, but rather how people think mm. in other terms. You should not attempt to find ready-made answers, although those are important, but rather the method, whether implicit or explicit, by which people reach their answers and the way they hold those answers in their minds. I guess that there's something about the nature of conversation here that is outstanding, which is different from creative thinking, as in when you sit down and try to come up with a, with a solution. 
And the value of conversation is that thinking happens on spot, right? So you don't have time to put a pen and paper and reevaluate or reassess or whatever, whatever ideas you're, you're dealing with. You have to think on spot. So your thinking must be clear, but at the same time, you don't have time to agree or you can't actually force someone to agree or disagree on your ideas because also they need time to think about them. Uh, and I think that's the interesting part uh, and we can explore some examples. And that applies to yourself because as you call it, conversations can be our fieldwork and we will not, not always be intellectually sharp. And this is the whole idea that you can use these events that we have every day in the workplace or at home and try to see how we're doing there. What progress have we made? If I approach you with my idea about my, my project, say a creative project, I'm going to share it with you. I, I'm going to have like a rough draft to seek your impressions, to seek your thoughts. And I don't often have expectations about it. And I think that's one thing that only conversations can give you. They give you real life impressions of people. Because in pen and paper, we tend to over idealize things. Think about like, like preparing something for marketing. I'm going to write this precisely. I'm going to tap into this motivation. I'm going to prepare everything perfect on paper. But there's a chance you won't do anything if you don't put yourself out there first with a rough draft. Yeah, and, and there's also another value, specifically when it comes to, to the method of thinking, which is it's very important in a conversation that you focus on the method, not just on the content. So let's say it's if someone is saying during a conversation, let's take something uh, cliche like love is blind. You know, Someone just uttered these words that love is blind. And, you know, there's one way which is either to accept it or to dis disagree with them and go into a debate. But another way, and that's the method, is to ask, why do you think so? What happened in your life to make you conclude that love is blind? And why is that important to you? Now, the beauty of using a methodology here is that the more you do it in conversation, you can actually take the same system or the same method and apply it in your work. So let's say you're working on a project. I don't know, you're an architect and you're working on a project and the brief asks you to design a modern building. So you will be tempted to ask, why, why should it be modern? Uh, even if the client is asking for a modern building, why, why, why should it be modern? What, what facts can I gather to help me understand whether it should be modern or not, or whether there is a way to understand, you know? That's uh, an interesting example, because yeah. all my examples in my mind are, you know, philosophical, intellectual. That's my established context. But <laughs> when you talk about architecture, I can see what kind of questions are... Uh, non-conformist architect would ask mm. uh, in order to, to, to study his, his field, his work at hand. And that yeah. would be one of it. So instead of asking, what do you want me to do? You would want to know, okay, how are you conceiving this? What, yeah. what is this for? Right? Yeah. And these are simple yeah. questions. Why do you think you need this? Why do you think this is true or false? 
What do you think this is necessary? What is yeah. this for that you can raise in order to assess the methodology? Which, of course, you don't get along. You get the methodology with the content, with the answers. Yeah. But I, I think it's important to try to push yourself towards those questions that let you uncover what's behind what would otherwise be a simple answer. Yeah, so that would be the method, which is as simply and as briefly as we can put it here, like focus on finding how people are thinking about the ideas and use that same knowledge to apply it in your work. But that leads us to a second principle, which is taking action. So having the content and having the method is not enough. You got to do something with it. Got to produce something. Got to apply what you're learning. So you want to you wanna talk about that? Yes. You raise the one concept I want to stress, which is production. So what we're talking about today is a productive perspective on conversations. Because think about the way we call them. Our daily conversation, our daily talks, it's... It's something that just just happens to you in your life mm. and you assume it as such. And it's normal, right? Because not every yeah. conversation is going to be an opportunity for intellectual growth, not the one you're having in the grocery, although that can happen. But having said that, it's important that you don't have a reactive stance on the conversation you're engaging in, but rather have an active role first in what we told you, the method, the way people think about this thing. But then you need to do something with that knowledge. Yeah, You need to take it home, take it on your own and start building your project, building your ideas from the discussion you already have. There are two things I'm thinking about when it comes to action. And that's, I think, can give more value to conversation. The first one is really to, to be in love with the fact that you're conscious, to live consciously. So even when you're talking to a baker and you're not engaged in an intellectual conversation, maybe something that he will say and the way you reply to him, maybe the way... I don't know, you ask a certain question and the way he answered will inspire you for your work. So the first principle is be conscious about everything that's happening around you. Because at the end of the day, and here's, there's an important point, at the end of the day, thinking entails action, right? Like most of us sometimes think about thinking as something automatic, you know, I'm just thinking. But something no. Cere cerebral, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just happening. But there's a big difference between that state of this just something just happening in your mind and of being in focus, of being conscious and taking action, at least mentally, and then going and producing something. And this is a second step. Yeah, you brought the example of a baker. And I wanted to tell you that I'm still ruminating and fuming over a conversation I had with a taxi driver more than a month ago. <laughs> mm. You tend to think about conversation with uh, taxi drivers as the least intellectually engaging events you can have. And, and it, it's the opposite, actually. Yes, because he was listening to a lecture about, you know, the development of, of the modern mind regarding liberty 
and yeah. rights and freedom. And I disagreed with everything that was they were saying in the lecture, right? They were they were saying that it was basically a, a religious uh, development. But I'm still thinking about it, and it gave me material to to work and to sharpen my my ideas regarding the subject. And that's the second point I want to talk about uh, because I had the same exp I have actually the same experience with taxi drivers. I always make sure to have a conversation with them, of course, if they're willing, because I learn a lot from 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 their way of thinking. And and the second point here is that conversation can be or can help you build more deliberate practice. So think about your conversation as a playground. It's your playground to practice and to understand how clearly your ideas are. Imagine you are in a, in a cab and you want to explain to the taxi driver uh, the value of philosophy. That's going to be hard. But the more you have clarity uh, on the power of philosophy, because if you're talking to a philosopher, it's easy, perhaps. But if you want to talk to a taxi driver, how can you make it very simple so he can understand it? And I think that's the power of, of engaging in conversation with different types of people and different kinds of people and exploring what's possible. By doing that, actually, you're evaluating the clarity of your mind. And then you can go back and reassess and and do the whole thing. So I think. By the way, I I don't want us to talk ill about taxi drivers. I think I've met many of them that are intellectually healthy more than some oh, philosophy yeah. majors. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the problems that we always talk about is that most philosophers they are vague because they were talking to other philosophers. Yeah. But if in their minds they were talking to taxi drivers, philosophy would have been the best science practiced by everyone nowadays. So, so yeah. All right. So we talked about the method. We talked about the action. Now we want to talk about the reflection. So how can we reflect during conversation and how can that help us in our creative thinking? Again, I'm going to hammer this theme about don't be conformed with an answer. Don't be conformed with one preconceived idea or prepared idea to take away from the conversation, but rather live with something to do, live with something to pursue. And one good way to do that is to ask or raise questions that will promote further thoughts during the conversation, but also after you leave the conversation. And not only ask them, but try to hear the questions that are asked to you because we all have a different way of thinking and a way of approaching and understanding things and sometimes we are impressed by how other people are in a different world or are thinking about things very from a different light so questions are cognitive guides cognitive guides insofar as they allow us to they open new grounds for their thoughts, fresh thoughts, and new ways of seeing the world. Because that's what they do. They allow us to see the world, to open uh, those doors. Yeah. And, you know, I remembered, and again, this is, this is why I love teaching and I love what we do at Novel Philosophy Academy, because you always meet new people 
that they have completely different viewpoints from you, but then they help you become better at listening and at, at asking questions. And I remember in one of the workshops we were doing, someone, someone, we were, I think we were talking about leadership and someone talked about, you know, how to lead a country. And they mentioned the value of having a benevolent dictator. And I, the way I used to react to that is simply being furious, you know, like, what do you mean benevolent dictator? Like, no, that's not a good thing. You know, a dictator is a dictator. But when you think about the value of reflection, the first thing you will do is ask questions that begs comparison. So for example, a question would be, so what would be the difference between a dictator and a benevolent dictator? Right? So, so seek contrast. I think that's an important principle. Seek contrast. And then what would be the difference between, you know, a democratic country and a dictatorship? So, so, I think the way you start bringing the questions and, and seeking comparison and, and contrast, the whole issue becomes more concrete. And this is one of the most important points we stress in our course, that how can you ask questions and visualize your point to make it concrete? And this is something we're going to talk about in the next episode. We're going to explore it more. But I think that's, that's one great value of, of reflecting and asking questions. And the second one would be between you and yourself. So the value of conversation here is not only outward as an exchange of ideas between you and other people. The value is what you do post-conversation, after you finish your conversation. And here lies, I think, the seriousness that you employ when you leave the conversation and sit down with yourself. I mean, think about this. Have you ever finished a conversation and said, I wish I said these words. And most, most of the time you're driving your car and you say, damn, I should have said this. Damn, that was a good argument. Right? Or sometimes even you, you say, you know, th this debate or this Ricardo's ideas triggered something in me. I used to think that this idea is right and good. But now I'm, I have doubts. I have doubts. I'm, I'm really thinking. About I'm thinking, uh, while you were talking, I was thinking that if there is an intellectual red flag, is, if I can put it that way, is when you don't have a question that comes naturally. And it's a difficult thing to raise questions. I'm yeah. not particularly good at it in some subjects. But especially when you're talking with like-minded people, when you are in that bubble, sometimes you don't have questions and... That's why it's good, I think, to meet people that come from whole different perspective. Yeah. Because that's where you get more material to think about, more ways of thinking, more methods, and newer questions to pursue that you haven't considered. And that might be important and might or might not change your way of thinking. And if they don't, if you don't change your thinking, meaning your principles, your basic ideas still you have a better hold of it yeah. because you now can address that particular argument, that particular context that you hadn't considered. So I think the basic theme of these three components or values of conversation is in a way, in an important way, objectivity. Objectivity. Yes. 
And the whole idea is that knowledge takes time, takes conscious effort, and you shouldn't expect to get it automatically by magic. No, yeah. you should work for it and you shouldn't look for a ready-made answer, but rather try to assess for yourself a method, a path to reach the truth, which is not that answer, that particular answer or preconceived idea you have or you were told about, but what is out there, what will be better for your, for your creative thinking. So I, I would say, uh, to, to draw a line here, I would say when you, when you go into a conversation, no matter what the subject is, whether it's you're talking about something trivial or highly intellectual, put yourself in a mindset as if you are in a mentorship session. And this doesn't mean that the other person is your mentor or that you are the mentor. It means that the ideas and the way the ideas are being explored are the arena of mentorship, entail mentorship processes that you can use. Just simply try to think of every conversation as potentially a networking event, because that's another of those few occasions yeah. in which we are going into a conversation for the purpose of learning something new. So I think that's another good way of thinking about it. I'm going to network today at yeah. work, at home. Think about it. I, I'm going to network today with my wife watching a movie. Hell yeah, you can do that if you propose yourself to. So conversations can be purposeful, can be productive in any respect about any subject. But it's not a thing that will just happen to you. You need to do it. You need to promote that. All right. So we promised you a surprise at the beginning. And it goes like this. To all our listeners and friends, we are giving you a code to save 50% from the Supersonic Creativity course. It's an online course, but it comes with a monthly mentorship session. So we want to make sure you achieve your goals and your desired transformation. You can find the link and the code in the description of this episode. That's one way to show our gratitude for you for being loyal listeners. Thanks again and see you next week.